Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Spicy Talk, where every single week, uh, Alejo and I get together and we talk about important topics. Today, we're actually going to be talking to an embodiment coach. We're going to be talking slightly about the late and great Betty White. About the genitalia. Genitalia. And then... Show me um, your genitals. Your genitals. Show me your genitals. Your genitalia. Sorry, I interrupted. Sorry. (laughs) 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 Anyway, we... This is great. I can't wait for you guys to meet this lovely soul. And then we also need to talk about how we feel about resolutions. So, Lolly, I'll let you just... No, so uh, we were talking about New Year's resolutions, right? Yeah. I we don't believe in them. I think New Year's resolutions are a bunch of fucking bullshit because at the end of the day, we all say, oh, we're going to do X, Y, and Z because it's a New Year. It's just another fucking day. It's another day and we're literally going to do what the hell we're going to do and you know that you're not going to fucking lose weight, you fat fuck. I've lost a lot of weight, Lolly. Yeah, you do it not on the fucking New Year's. You do a fucking, to be serious, you know, fucking like, oh, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution and I'm going to get skinny. No. You know what's crazy? You fucking do or you don't. I about this a long time ago when I started to lose weight. I was like, fuck that. I'm starting on Monday. Fuck New Year's resolution. It's for the week. Oh, Monday is not a good day either. You just do it the day of. That's my suggestion to everybody. Because what if I'm already eating chips that day? Fuck that. I can start tomorrow for certain. Well, tomorrow's a good day. Tomorrow's always a good day for anything. Because (laughs) today's a mystery. Tomorrow's history or something. I don't know. No, that's that's golden. And yesterday's a fucking gift or something. I don't know. Oh, my God. (laughs) How the fuck did we lose Betty White? Right before 2022. You know, did you see that TikTok that I sent you where it's like... Yes, everybody's trying to turn into a Mandela effect. Honestly. Well, there was was two of them. Yeah, the Mandela effect. And then on top of it, fucking whatever. I think it was like People Magazine or something. They fucking... It was like uh, January 10th, uh, 2022. And they put it out that... um, that they were gonna, uh, or that she turned years old, but like, yeah, but it, it she died sense. like the thirty first. Break this shit down. Her last tweet was literally how she sat down with People magazine before her birthday, her hundred birthday, and she did this whole segment about turning a hundred. And like, it pisses me off that people are literally gonna try to use this as a Mandela effect. Like, get over yourself. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's great. Like, yeah, obviously she was like, I mean, you could basically say that she was like 100 years old, but like, I mean, she really wasn't like, she didn't even make it to that point. And like, but then I started like, I started reading into like a lot of shit. Like she really wanted to go into her 100th birthday and then like pass away or like whatever. But like at the end of her days, she, uh, she, she was not doing really good at all. Um, and but she was a fucking legend, dude. She fucking she stuck through it all. Uh, 
I do believe she was an original RKO radio host. You know, there's this one thing that, well, this one, okay, the one thing that I'll always remember is this SNL skit. And it was her and these two other girls. I forget who the other girls' names are. But um, she did a skit about muffins, about her muffin. <laughs> oh my god. I know what you're talking about. Like, this muffin's really salty. Yeah, she's like, oh, you, she's like, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you maintain your muffin? And like, all these other like fucking provocative shit. And like, she's just like, yeah, it's been since uh 1930 something. And I think she's actually born in, yeah, she was born in the 30s. 1922. Yeah. Was it 22? I thought it was 30 something. No, 1922. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 22, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. No, but you know what? For being a friend, buddy. Okay, you know that. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> oh, fucking the only one that I know is Blanche. I forget what the fucking other person's name is, and the other one, it's Blanche, and uh, Blanche Debril. Yeah, and then okay. Well, uh, the lady from Sicily. It's kind of interesting because uh, uh, one of them was like one of them died and like they were all like pretty close in age, except for oh, fuck I forget her goddamn name. I'm stupid. Um, so there was but, Dorothy Rose. Dorothy, and yeah. And then Sophia. Oh yeah, and Sophia and Betty. Yeah. Um, yeah. They they all died like. They all actually were like born pretty close. Um, the younger one, I think, was not Dorothy. Uh, so no, it was no, it was Dorothea. Dorothea. Oh my god, Dorothy. Um, Dorothy. She actually, I think, it was Dorothy. She was the youngest one, um, and she was like ten years younger than all of them. But um, it was oh eight, oh nine. And ten, and then Betty White outlived them eleven years past that. <laughs> so uh, it's Rue McClanahan who was Blanche Devereaux. She was born in 1934, so yeah, she's a whole decade younger than them. Yeah. And they, Arthur and Betty White, were born in 1922. Sophia's the mom of Dorothy. So she, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She actually. Yeah is the same age as them. She was uh, like a year younger than um, they and Betty. So it's it's insane that it's really only Rue who was the youngest. But honestly, thank you for being a fucking friend. I can never watch this fucking show without crying. I literally just want to watch it and die inside. Honestly, it's sad when like somebody that is that famous like dies like I remember when Michael Jackson died. Um, <laughs> um that brought tears to my eyes, but like with Betty White, it's just kinda like she was just so iconic. Like she she was everything, like she literally was everything. I don't know how to fucking explain it. And like Joe Mass movies through even our time. She was in tons of sitcoms during Yeah, she was in sitcoms, she was in fucking commercials, she was in like skits, she was in fucking movies, she was in everything. Like 
Like, legit, like, everybody fucking knows Betty White. And then to almost be fucking 100 years old and not, like, I don't <laughs> think that's, like, a whole, like, oh, 2022, this or that, blah, 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 because blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, yeah, it, it fucking sucks, but. Well, if you ain't gonna say it, I'm gonna say it. <laughs> because last year Carrie Fisher and her mom died so no fuck it. oh yeah fuck no okay you didn't take Betty White from me like that too fuck nobody you, fucking remembers that shit I nobody remember. well yeah I remember too but <laughs> nobody remember remembers the chat I'm just kidding yeah. I no, remember Michael Jackson <laughs> oh my god Irene <laughs> <laughs> no, this one's this one's gonna go down in history though for sure. Right. Yeah. Oh, you can hear me. Awesome. Hey. It's <laughs> <laughs> all good. Sorry, it took us a second. I've been fighting with my internet and Alejandro is trying to get on too. <laughs> <laughs> I see Alejandro with the name Anal already connected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I apologize. We're we're very. Ends the um. What are you apologizing for? I love it. I love it. <laughs> she she sends the request, and uh, I it's before I and I put like I put anal bead, put like butt plug or bitch or oh, yeah, yeah. Just, just stupid stuff because it's it's funny. It is. How are you? Good. Just woken up. I'm calling you from the bed, one of my favorite places in the world. Irene, are you are you recording? <laughs> yes, I am. All right. Well, let me say hey. Hey to everybody right now. We are with Introduce Yourselves. Uh, I'm Melanie. I'm a mental and embodiment coach. I really love to use uh, sexuality, sensuality, and sex to bring more safety and more joy into the world. Oh, God, I need you in my fucking life. How was your week? (sighs) So, my week was amazing. I signed up a new client. I am putting the foundation to get some real-life work over here. And I always love to start with the feminine. So I'm here with the mission of finding more women that uh, maybe don't know or they're a bit scared about finding, you know, the creative power that lies between the legs, in their body, in their breast, in their brain, you know, and like do that magical together. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm Alejo and you guys know us. It's Irene. I'm I'm Imans and all. I'm opening up this week because I decided to. <laughs> um, so we have a special guest today. Uh, I'm Enz. How about you uh, introduce yourself and tell us about your week? Um, I am I'm Enz. I My God, my week has been insane. Our week has been insane since before Christmas. We haven't done a podcast in a while just because it's been like hectic. But the last thing we talked about was love languages. So I thought it would be great that we just put you into that segue. Let's Uh, fucking talk about goddamn sex. (laughs) Yeah. So one of my questions for sure was, how many clients do you get that are actually married? 
Um, I, you're asking me, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so far, it's been mostly women. And I find when it comes to a married couple or uh, even people that are dating, it's always with the gentleman. There's a bit of resistance. They And I work a lot also with men separately, which is very interesting. Um, What I find is this urge to want to get to the result without really going through the process. So some of the men contacted me for things like uh, being orgasmic and like delayed ejaculations. Like, yeah, that's not what I do. You know, we we do the foundation first. And the love languages I find is a fantastic way for people who then are in relationship and the ones I've been working with, um, they really describe it as this basically translation service. Love languages allow you to make physical, to make real things that otherwise you'll be there like trying to guess, bringing like more distance between the couple. And so just knowing that your girlfriend or your boyfriend receives the love better through a hug rather than through a gift or knowing that your partner is the one that's always going to try to give you, you know, like quality time because that's how they like to give yeah. love. That's one of my um, ones too. <laughs> yeah, it humanizes them, you know, it's a kind of like this tool, this um, membrane that goes like, oh yeah, she's trying to spend more time with me because that's her love language. And here I'm made aware of how that works and I don't take it, personally or like as a way to take away my freedom especially for men and the masculine freedom is imperative and so maybe someone that has as a love language quality time feels like suffocating but once you know it's just a tool you say like hey I don't have quite the time how about I buy you a gift and see where that takes the relationship you know can I say something of course I know that you are all about like you you just vibe with everybody. Not vibe, not vibe. Maybe that's not the right word, but men. Can we talk about fucking men for a goddamn second? Please. Can we please talk about men? Because you know what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I know that you have I know you have a lot of insight, but come the <laughs> fuck on, man. Irene is going through a lot of fucking shit with her own husband shit. And on top mm. of it, I I've actually realized I've been divorced for a year now, actually. Mm. On top of it, where the fuck is my sex life? Why the <laughs> fuck am I not good enough? <laughs> mm. No, that's, 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 that's a, I, I'm joking. It's, it's funny. Um, <laughs> but no, for, for real, uh, men, like, you know, we talk about, well, okay, a lot of people have been talking about, like, especially on TikTok and, and all these social medias and stuff, we talk about, like, like you know, like, men's feelings and stuff like that. And I, and I, do, I do agree that, you know, that men don't have a big voice in a lot of things. You're supposed to be masculine. You're supposed to be, you're supposed to be hardcore, you know, this and that. But where the fuck's my man at? <laughs> Right. Is he in so, Italy? Maybe. Well, I, I must tell you, Italian men are <laughs> some of the most gorgeous, yet some of the most dangerous. That's how we like them. That's how we raise them. 
that's how we seduce them. That's how we keep them, you know. Um, oh, bitches. Yeah, but you know, I definitely the end, feel like human. there's a huge difference in between here and Europe, anyways, when it comes to men. There's like a lot more freedoms when it comes to sex. Like everybody's more comfortable talking about it there, not here. We're very conservative still. And I think we need to break that. I find that very interesting. If I think about the US, it's kind of like this land of extreme in my head. You know, I'm giving you just my opinion as one European. I cannot really represent the whole spectrum of people. Uh, But Yeah. yeah, I noticed you know, across many things, uh, wealth, uh, level of education, body awareness, a lot of different things, where in Europe you'll have like sort of like um, an okay middle, you know, like we settle around the halfway point. In the US, you have people that are profoundly rejecting or ignorant of whatever it is, like, um, or top of the top. Fucking piece of shit. I think that our country is going to fucking shit. And I think that everything's going to shit. That's my personal point with all that stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, honestly, honestly, I, I, and, you know, like, we could talk about, like, other countries and stuff. And it's, like, if we if we think about, like, the U.S., like, the U.S. is supposed to be something. Like, we, we fought for everything. And look where we're at now. So, I'm sorry, I, I interjected. No, but I think it's beautiful. One of the things about feeling is to see what's there. Like, you are not going to be able to alchemize. You're not going to be able to transform anything until you can be authentic. That's like the masculine It's in its highest form is this freedom and this truth for seeing. It's like this big protector that's not going to take any bullshit. And so when I hear you say this is all going to shit, I, I mean, I see it's funny, first of all, but I also see like a profound <laughs> sense of reality. Yeah. And yeah. it really and that, is, though. It is. And then the gift of the feminine is that receiving, is that hearing, is not saying you're wrong. It's just saying like, there is more. You're not wrong. You're right. But there's so much more. There's a beautiful Italian song that says, from diamonds, you can't grow anything. But from shit, you can grow flowers. Is that by Here comes the fem. (laughs) You know, in all the shit you see in the US, I'm sure there's flowers. I'm sure sure. there's look for the helpers, look for the light. You know, it is there. It's hiding for sure because all beautiful, fragile things, they hide, you know? No, I guess what I meant to say by us being conservative more in the U.S. is like we just don't talk about it. Like, yeah, there's people who are about that life and are sex workers, but that's everywhere. And like the way that everybody looks on those people is completely negative. There's nothing positive. And I know a bunch of more people in Europe who are way more accepting of sex workers and way more accepting mm. of the talk. Like, honestly, I, I think Europe has a fucking upper hand on us because. Like literally, literally, we 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 just don't have it anymore. It's look at Betty White. <laughs> oh my God, Betty White. <laughs> oh my God. No, but for real though, I I really do think that that we as Americans, uh, we have gone a different way, and I then then you know, and in, in Europe and all the other countries, like they have different values, different morals, different like. Did it say values already? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, 
but uh sorry i've been smoking too much weed um <laughs> but uh yeah we we have different different values and morals and i i think it's it's completely different you know I think it also comes from, like, you know, the U.S., everybody associated with freedom. If you think about Italy, you associated with pizza first. Fair enough. <laughs> and then second, with the Pope, Catholicism. So it's not a matter of, you know, what you are and what you're not, I guess, because in Italy, I can tell you, we have been conservative. Like, still, there's plenty of people who are. It's just that we have been so conservative across centuries, we burnt women, <laughs> you know, like yeah. we took that far off that conservatism. But it used to be so long ago that we had to, the time to calm down generally as a society and kind of like see, hey, you know, if I want women to have sex with me, if I want, uh, you know, the femininity, the, you know, all of this, I cannot burn them. <laughs> that needs to stop, you know. And then, you know, this might be a good question, though, talking about how conservative religions are. Do you ever get a religious couple or person who has, like, a negative view on sex? Um, what I like to do whenever I meet someone that I don't know what they think, whether they are conservative or something, I just start to think, like, of them as a person. So I would ask them question and, you know, I, they might already given me hints that they are going to be no, no, no about this. And one of the um, things I love to do the most is trying to find that one exception, you know. So, for example, if they are married and they have children, they have done sex, you know, most oh, likely. No, no, come. Hey. Sorry. Sorry. And, um I thought it was about that. I was like, yeah, they do have sex, also conservative. Yeah, like I'm, I'm positive that they do. And so <laughs> as they do that, um, I move them from that idea of sexy, sex being dirty, sex being only pleasure, to actually the pleasure of creating life, the pleasure of loving your wife, the pleasure of being, uh, you know, a member of the community, all those things that they love, a lot, you know, those things about loyalty and the community and whatnot, and basically show them that that is uh, also, in a way, sex, because sex is this push for life, is this saying, like, we need more humans, we need to be closer together, not only more humans in the sense of making babies, but you become more human when you are having good sex. And so this is across all humans. Like I have yet to find the person that, you know, unless you are depressed, but even in there, there's like a deep call for this push for life. And that's the great gift of sexuality. It brings you back to go like, yes, I want to do this. I want to be alive. I totally so get actually that. my question, Irene, it was like, if what's your going on, if we can maybe see if we can do some magic here and alchemize something. Is there something you feel open to share and see how we can maybe look into recommendation and tips? Oh my God, I am so glad that you asked me because I said to my husband earlier that if you were gonna ask me anything, I'm saying it, this man's a sadist. <laughs> Whatever feels safe and comfortable to you, not more. And also in the respect of your partner, obviously. Oh no, he's fine with it. <laughs> 
He's very open. We are all very open in this household. I'm okay with sharing, obviously, a lot of things. But uh, this one is, is hilarious to me because I've been into BDSM since maybe I was, I don't know, 16. Mm-hmm. But, like, we are you? not like that with each other. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Sure. Uh may I ask what your sexuality is? And I and I can reciprocate, so Oh, I'm bisexual. Are you? I've uh yes, I mainly had relationship with men out of, you know, the conservatism that is in Italy. Um and um but I've oh, had also over there though. <laughs> it takes a long time. The thing is with bisexual, you always think like, well, you know, if I like the same sex and that's not going to be accepted. And I give you also this for bisexual, there's kind of like this double fight, meaning that heterosexual will try to see you as heterosexual and homosexual will try to see you as homosexual. And mm. they would really struggle with the idea that you can love both, but that doesn't mean at the same time, you know, there's all this stereotype about being a slut and whatever. And even if that is the case, like, so be it, you know, it took a long time. That's such a terrible stigma. Terrible Mm. stigma. You know, every time there's a resistance, it's something that really it's within them, you know, so what they are really judging is not my sexual freedom. It's not my feeling of wanting to love everybody, really. Um, But it's them feeling like they can't, you know, it's them doing this sort of gatekeeping gatekeeping you know <laughs> where they you could they, phrase yeah. it as gatekeeping. <laughs> gatekeeping yeah i i send them positive vibes i hope they find the peace with themselves and i go on having the relationship that makes me feel alive i don't you know nothing else that's beautiful that that's your question radical level yeah mm, yeah well, I appreciate that you um, that you shared that with me. Um, so personally, like me, so like I said, I was a nurse. Okay, sorry. I know it's like a different topic. I'm a little distracted. I have two friends with me, actually, that are listening into our podcast. Um, they're just listening. They're just, they're just standing back. But um, I've actually been out as gay since I was like 13 years old. But... As an adult, I have found myself to be more pansexual. Mm. You know, I like to have sex with pans. Mm, um, yes. I actually, I love, I love a good pot. Um, <laughs> if I can get my my dick hard, I would bust a nut on the fucking pan. <laughs> I'm, just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But no, um, that's you that... know the definition of pansexual. <laughs> Yes, we are doing good <laughs> education here, people. Listen yeah, up. Do we need Do we need to do a definition for you, bro? <laughs> I will. Def- I will. I will do the definition. But okay. no, honestly, as an adult, I have, and it's something that I don't talk about a lot, just because, like, I really, I, I enjoy, I enjoy sex with men. I enjoy um, a man's company, and uh, a lot. Able to, company, you know, so like that's one thing that I love, and 
I have had. I am so sorry. The internet's a little finicky sometimes. <laughs> it happens. Um, well, while we're waiting for Alejandro, because he's going to come in and come out, um, trying to set up his stuff. I do have a random question. Do people ever it. talk about recovering from infidelity? Hmm. So far, I haven't had uh, like a, a couple or someone that has had to recover from recent infidelity. What I get a lot of is uh, people who have experienced infidelity or some sort of betrayal because a lot of people really like to put sex in this like bad box, but infidelity can also look like uh, Facebook messages, it can look like emotional betrayal, it can look like having a life made of work and friends that has nothing, no bridge to your personal and marital life. And so this can feel as um, like deeply, you know, de traumatizing for the person. And so what I got is um, a few people that haven't been able to recover ever since. And so they've had probably like toxic relationship or no relationship at all or relationship that maybe started off well and they felt they were fucking it up. And that has to do, to do a lot with your attachment. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of the attachment styles. You know, I have read a little bit on attachment styles, but I don't know a lot about attachment styles. I know it's important to know that in a relationship, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are four type of attachment. You have your secure attachment. That's people that profoundly know and believe and embody that they are loved, they are worthy. And this usually is cultivated by positive family relationships, uh, the person that gives you care, the, the first lover you're ever going to have after you outside of your body, it's going to be your parents or your caregivers, the people that are in charge that you don't die, basically, between your birth and your 18, 21 years of age. Um, if that journey has been a safe one for you, it's been one that where you know, of course, there's going to be problem. Of course, there's going to be issues. But you felt love throughout. You felt loved for the things you're good at and the things you're bad at. You're going to have a secure attachment. If you experience caregivers that were distant or overbearing, you might have either an avoidant um, attachment style or an anxious attachment style. If, like me, you had the privilege of having one of both, you might develop a disorganized attachment style. And that's a hell of a ride because every relationship you're going to have, you're either going to want to love them by running away from them or by, you know, really leaning into and like every three seconds, why are you not texting me? What's happening? And somewhere in between. So every morning you wake up and you don't know how you're going to, attach to the other person until you go through the process of uh, reparenting. So what happens a lot with people who have been cheated on is that whether they already had one of the insecure attachment styles or they shift during their relationship, they reparent themselves but backwards, 
what you find is that in order to have healthy, positive relationship, they need to again go through that process of deeply taking care of themselves in a consistent parental sort of way until they stop attracting really uh, the sort of behavior and the sort of people and the sort of situation that uh, bring them back to that wound, to that betrayal. There is a thing also like in, in seeing all shit, it's kind of fun, you know, people love to be in their own shit without dealing with it for sure. But yeah, we kind of love our messy side. And so I wish you could see my facial expressions because I just had an oh shit moment because I feel like attachment styles also work into inner child healing. (laughs) Wow. So they're also with shadow work. (laughs) It's all connected. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually recently got into doing all of that, but I've, guess I knew my attachment style without knowing what it was because I know that mm. I'm very um, standoffish when it comes to getting attached to people like it's a give or take like I always want to be loved but I don't let anybody love me but I also have BPD mm. so. <laughs> yeah same and I also found you know if since you said earlier you are into BDSM and in general we're talking about this thing uh, one of the books that's really opened up a whole new space for me it's this book called existential kink i cannot recommend this enough it's um, (laughs) shadow work for kinky people you know it's shadow work for people who don't really want to do the work in like that discipline i need to put my head down and really work at it but more like i want to have fun with it i want to learn from myself in an exciting kinky way and allow myself instead of saying like I'm fucked up to be like, I'm fucked up. Yeah. I'm really oh, harvest bounty, all that energy that comes from liberating yourself to be who the fuck you want to be, you know? Be shit if you want to be shit. Like, I'm not stopping you. Nobody's really stopping you unless you, you know, unless you put into your head that limiting belief that you're not allowed to be whatever, you know, the situation. How does that yeah. resonate with you? No, I, I I feel that completely. Oh my gosh. Like I wish more people thought like that. I wish a lot more people were open to like just having that discussion and making it okay. Cause sometimes you have a partner who finds out that you have like a certain kink and then they're just like, Oh dear God, like I don't want to do that at all. And then you feel weird. <laughs> oh. I received this. There is so much in this little exchange, but yeah, like your kink is kind of like uh, one of your maybe little flaws or your little shortcomings. You know, maybe you're someone that doesn't use the coaster. There's like everything that we feel ashamed about. And it could be something sexual, but very often it's something also that is just like in our everyday life. And so as a partner, when they say like, oh, I don't like that, I don't want that, and we feel ashamed, it's a way for us to actually work through that shame. Because if the partner has already been in our life and we know you know, we, we are in this together, it's already a stable relationship, it doesn't matter what kink or thing they have, they already love you. So they already love the whole of you, even they might not like that one thing. You know, I'm sure uh, we don't love when men leave socks around or, you know, when they sit in front of the telly instead of, you know, helping us out or there's plenty yeah. of kinks. <laughs> they, that, that's their kink. 
and us going like, I don't like that. I don't want you to do that. That's us also, you know, still going through that cycle of shame, but it's a way for them to maybe move their ass or pick up their socks. And so when they don't like our kink, it's, it's a way to bring back the humanity and to go like, well, you know, you might not like it, but I, I tell you, this is really fun for me. This is part of who I am and I'm okay with it. It doesn't mean we have to do it. I just want to know that I'm accepted. Is that something you're open to? And so we don't really take with us their shame because if we love our kink, we don't feel ashamed about it. We feel ashamed that they feel ashamed of us. We, you know, decide that their judgment is also our opinion when it's like, I get a choice in this. I get to like something that they don't understand. Um, and you see this, for example, with hobbies, you know, our man by, might be into one thing and we're like, like, that's not my thing, but it makes him happy. So I'm happy he does it. Like, you know, whether it's watching football with his buddies, like if I love my man, like I'll create space for him to be him, you know? So I'll say, let's have like the football party watching thing here um, or, you know, in different variation but it's really engaging in that unconditional love in a fun, pleasurable way, you know, and go like, all right, you don't like my kink. I guess someone has some shame around this, you know, and not take it with us. I love it. What made you become a sex therapist? So first of all, I am not necessarily a sex therapist because there's you know, a certain, uh, especially in Europe, we are really finicky when it comes to qualification. So I don't uh, um, talk about being specifically a sex therapist. I like to work with men, women, all kinds of people. And I like to work also on their emotional uh, journey as a coach. Um, what made me become this is um, my own journey with it. For the longest time I had, as I was mentioning earlier, a strong resistance to my sexuality, even though in my head, I thought I didn't, but in my body, I still store that. My speciality is embodiment, is really decoding the thoughts that are too big in your head with your body. And sexuality plays a huge role in this because when we allow ourselves to connect with the sex, and that's something that also took me a long, long time. I know, I know since I've ever found out about sex, I loved it. I've always been like a very sexual person. And uh, for the longest time, I felt shame and rejection about it. What really changed for me was um, uh, learning about Tantra and embodiment and learning how all of this is actually sacred. It's actually magical. It's what makes human human. And so as I deepened my knowledge into this, as I made peace with my sexuality, with my sex drive, with my way of being, what I found is that more and more people from friends and even family, they saw themselves, they, you know, instead of uh, finding people resisting, I was finding more and more acceptance because my journey and also all the learning, all the courses I went through, really resonated with the part of people that they were ashamed of. And for as much as we feel shame, as much we want to uh, release the shame. So when you find another person that goes like, yeah, me too, like this happened to me too, then 
it allows other people. That's also like in the Me Too movement. What happened is that a lot of people that thought they had to keep to keep quiet, they were like, let's talk about this. Uh, let's make this not a taboo. And then, of course, there was a big resistance from other people who were not ready to let go of their shame, who operated all their life putting things in boxes and they were like, no, this is, you know, like now I feel like I cannot hug you. And here again, it continues that work of letting go of more and more shame. But I tell you, the more people do it, the more uh, liberation we bring to the whole world. And so in this, I found that I'm really good at taking it out of people. As you mentioned earlier, like I said to my husband, if she's going to ask me anything, I'll talk. So I'm going to take this an invitation to bring you back to this and see if we can do some actual little work, a little sample of what can be done with moving the emotion, moving the feeling, using, you know, a later meditation or maybe some recommendation for um, physical, practical things you can do at the end of this recording to bring more pleasure and more peace into your relationship. How do you feel about that? Yes, yes, I'm open for it all. <laughs> Let's do it. So what would be one thing that you say it's now blocking that love uh, uh, flow between you and your husband? If there's one thing, it can be a little thing also, something you get mad at him about. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> literally everything. But I, I think we've known each other for so long and, like, we've known each other's families for so long. We have a very, like similar personality when it comes to sex he's more of like a breed kink type of person and I I don't know I'm, I'm submissive that's the best mm. way to say it right and uh, in that so what you find is that that creates polarity that creates like a way for you to cooperate together the first thing that just popped into my head is uh, have you guys ever had sensorial experiences? Mm. Like a moment so. where you used your senses. Oh, that's like a big thing. And it actually, yes, I, actually, I love it because- Yeah, actually, yes, I have. But that was in the beginning of our relationship. I don't even think we were pregnant with our son yet. There you go. That's also another light bulb. You find out when it's about bringing uh, you know, that sex life to be even more connected, even more fulfilling, that the things you did at the beginning are the things that will, you know, spark again that uh, fire. And it could be uh, that you don't need to get back the original fire, but that by doing some of the things you were doing at the beginning, it brings you like a deeper and also lighter in a way I know it sounds like a paradox but feel like you are engaged again or feel like it's the first date again and these sort of things are done by repeating the things you did at the beginning or do experiences that are similar so if he took you to something new that you have never done or if you took him to something completely new you can kind of brainstorm something that you've never done before and you know invite both of you 
to do that, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, a new dance class or it is a new restaurant, but with the mindfulness of saying like, we're doing this because this is new and what it's new is exciting, you know? So that brings back, and also if it's new, but you do it with someone you know for so long, you start to see that person you know so well from like a different perspective. And that really deepens the relationship. Specifically, sensorial experiences is um, building up on this concept that the five senses are your portal between your inner and your outer world. When men don't feel like, oh, I don't want to be emotional, I don't want to talk about my feelings, that's fine. You have five senses. You feel through those. So for me, the most sensorial experience is making my coffee every morning. For Italians, you know, that's a sacred ritual, not for nothing. And so <laughs> yeah. as I touch my, you know, the Italian coffee machine, that's like this metal thing that has chambers. It looks like technology coming from a different era, really. And it's just, oh, it's said, called Mocha Italian. <laughs> yeah, you know that one, yeah? If you've met Italians oh, yeah, or I you have- I have Italian a, family. <laughs> There you go. Like it always comes with us. Doesn't matter. We cross the Atlantic. It was. It's one of the things that we can't live without. And why? Yeah. The reason why is that it's because it's a full sensorial experience. You know, when you touch your mocha, you have the contact with the metal, the cold. Um, you can hear it bubbling from the other room. You know, a lot of times the Italians will make the coffee and then get ready and whatnot, and you can hear it calling to you. So you have already touched and hearing you can also smell it from a mile away there's been also research that proves that coffee drinker they get uh, like a spike of uh, dopamine i think just by smelling the coffee you know because again these the senses are our bridge between like the inner world our hormones our uh, uh, neurochemicals and the outer you know what's outside of us what is you know everything that is not us and so you hear it you smell it you touch it you taste it obviously like the first sip of coffee I always tell people like uh, whatever you drink in the morning let that be like the first kiss you give to your lover you know like really drink with the idea of making love to that beverage and uh Finally, you have, what did we say? We said the hearing, the smelling, the tasting, the touching. What am I missing? Feel. Which one? Is it? Hmm? Yeah. The, the sight? The feeling. It, uh, the, the, the seeing it with your eyes, you know? Of course, you also see oh, it with yeah. your eyes. And that's what I was telling you. If you are an Italian, as soon as you are in someone else's home, you are going to like scan quickly and if there's a mocha you'll see it you know there's already a relation it's the same as when your lover comes into the room you know and you're like you already like see him and he sees you and the whole room takes a different color a different liveness you know if you are still feeling like your partner is your lover because that's the thing and if you whether you don't feel like your partner is your lover, um, uh, you do feel that you want to cultivate it, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, create these sort of experiences that really touch with all five senses. It could be, you know, a meal. It could be 
you know, putting together a day that has five checking points so that you get the most out of your relationship and you get really in touch with them. And I mean, I don't need to tell you, but like, if you can do that with sex, like how much is fun to bring like food into the bedroom, right? How beautiful it is to bring smells into the bedroom, you know, or seeing our lover tied up or seeing our lover dominant. Like the senses always brings us back to this push of life, this love. Welcome back, Alejandro. <laughs> Can you hear Alejo. us? Alejo. <laughs> Can you hear us? Yes, ma'am. Okay. We were talking about the five senses and how that helps with couples, I guess you could say, well, any with anybody really when it comes to like a sexual experience. And she explained it beautifully with coffee. <laughs> Coffee. So, do you have any questions for her? Um, you know, one of my questions is like, how did you? I don't know if you already answered this or not, but how did you get into the whole like sexual stuff? Like, is it like mm. trauma? Is it uh, curiosity? Was it uh, just boldness? Was what 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 got you into wanting to be a sex therapist? Yeah, so actually we did go through this, but I'll do a quick recap. And then there was a question oh, you sorry. asked earlier that I want to help you answer. Um, yeah, but yeah, I so I've always been someone very much uh, in touch with our body. I remember as a little kid, I would like dance ecstatically. And there, there was actually uh, the first traumatic experience when someone told me like that I was weird to do that. And as I was telling Irene, shame only works on you when you um, associate their judgment with your opinion. You know, when what you they say of no. you when it becomes true for you. And at that time, being little, and we talked about also like secure attachment and things that happened to you as a kid, it becomes part of you. And the yeah. most beautiful journey I've been on is to move that and find again that being ecstatic. And in that, there was also obviously a lot of my rejection for my sexuality, because in my head, I would say to people like I'm bisexual. But in my body, it was like, yeah, I'm not going to hit on a girl. I'm not going to ask a girl out. I'm not going to kiss a girl. Like, Or if I kiss her, it must be when I'm drunk. I think m- many people who've struggled with their sexuality have had this experience. Let themselves out only when they were inebriated. And really... Mm-hmm. Out everybody in co-ed. <laughs> yeah. What, it's, it's so humanizing. And what I found is actually, I pointed out also I'm not a sex therapist, but I'm an embodiment coach. Because therapists have specific certification. And the, what I've been doing is uh, learning a lot about Tantra and the Neo Tantra and embodiment. And through this self-exploration and also a shit ton of courses and a shit ton of experiences, I really reconnected with that idea that sometimes you need a inebriated state, so a meditative state to find back yourself. So instead of bringing it by alcohol, you're bringing it by deep meditation and breath work and also using sexuality starting with self-pleasure really to reconnect with this trauma and giving it 
lots of love and attention, going back to find that little dancing okay. girl, that okay. little dancing start, and tell her, like, you dance, baby. You dance like <laughs> a crazy motherfucker if you want. Like, I'm here for it. Like, there, I, I'm ready to let go of someone else's judgment. For my opinion, that's like, you are allowed to do whatever you want as long as it's not hurting others. And you find that people that think like that, they don't want to hurt others. When we allow ourselves to be really, really who we are to the point that we talk about sex or we use sex in a meditative, tantric way, then you don't have time to hurt other people. And even when you do, you, you do it with the intention of not hurting. So you're there for fixing whatever milk you spilled, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that was my, my journey into it. And uh, what I also was sharing with Irene is that as soon as I stood up for my truth, as soon as I said, like, I'm a highly sexual person, I'm a person that really enjoys sex, um, other people started to share their story with me, uh, whether they can or they cannot orgasm with their partner, whether they don't feel like they can masturbate or whether they have a block when it comes to their period. I'm talking now specifically about women, but not only, you know, even trans men, they might Mm. have, you know, a lot of energy that wants to be moved around their cycle and the transition that it takes for them Uh, Not only like physically, you know, but also more spiritually, internally. But the question I really want to answer to you is where is your man? Would you like a bit insight into that? My man? Yes. I don't have a fucking man. Hmm? Earlier you asked, like, where is my man? Is that in Italy? I wonder if you want some insight into that. True. So one of the things I work a lot with is this feminine and masculine energy that is not what you have between your legs. And one of the things is that what you have on the inside mirrors on the outside. So the man you're really looking for is inside of you. It's your truth. It's your freedom. It's your mission in life. It's your penetrative power into the world. So these are the kind of things that I'm asking you, like, how are you doing with, with that? How, what relationship do you have to your truth, to your freedom? What do you think is your mission? How are you using your beautiful, magnificent dick to penetrate into this life? Or how are you using your ability to receive that in the feminine? You know, how are you opening up to let beautiful and loving things come to you? These are the two energy, and I wonder how you receive these questions. You know how to answer that, Alejandro, are you right? I don't know how to answer that because my sex life, my everything is just shot. I feel like mm. I'm crying way too hard. Mm. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know, honestly. I had a lost divorce and fucking... I've let men use me to be okay and I don't know I don't know how to I don't know how to answer that Mm, that's actually the first step already being aware of what we know what we don't know I already see so much input from you I see um, yeah that you are very much aware of your situation and um, yeah 
yeah, when it comes to hmm? I said yeah loneliness <laughs> but how is your relationship to your sex drive how is that how is it between you and you um it's okay like I said I kind of like I've been letting a lot of men use me and not like in like a slutty way or whatever but I'm kind of but I I've let people that I normally wouldn't let myself do, I guess. I don't know how to say that. But um you lower your standards? I guess so. Like lowering my standards, like hitting on straight men and fucking <coughs> and letting ugly guys hit this ass and fucking other <laughs> well and then fucking other men that like aren't I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't like this part Yeah, I I love to bring people in that uncomfortable place because that's where all the juicy is in that dark and that shame things is where like mm-hmm. then you get to really feel and be with yourself and uh, really then transform and bring more. So beside what you know your history has been your biggest lover is always gonna be you so especially moments we've been traumatized because really you are i'm hearing a lot of uh, you know i let them i let like it's a but this also happened to you you know it's not you didn't sign up for this necessarily definitely you played a role but some of the things they are not your fault and so you know especially for people who tend to put all the shame and the guilt on themselves, starting with self-pleasure. And I was telling earlier to Irene, my personal sexual relationship to my coffee machine, but it really starts (laughs) with making, oh man, (laughs) making uh, everything, all the sensorial experiences safe again, you know, whether it's also just to give yourself a hug or give yourself a little caress, like, if you want no more ugly men tapping that ass, it starts by seeing your own beauty, seeing your own power, realizing how fucking beautiful you are and that it's sacred and that you've got to protect it, but not out of spite for the others, but out of deep respect and deep, like also turn on to yourself. And in this, um, I'm not sure if you, if we were all still in the call at that time, um, but the, I was mentioning the book Existential Kink. That is, oh my God, if you're into kink and if you want to work on yourself in the most pleasurable way, that is the book for you. I cannot recommend this enough. I'm definitely going to go look this up, but don't think that I'm laughing at you. I'm laughing at the fact that you talk to him the same way I talk to him. (laughs) Oh, yes. We're all humans, aren't we? It's, It's beautiful, honestly. I I think that nobody really even focuses on themselves when it comes to anything sexual before they even have a sex life with their partner. Nobody's like, oh, well, I'm focused on how exactly I like to get myself off. Okay, and with this, I'm going to take something off my back because if there's something that I'm still like working through and that's pissing me off is that when I tell people I work with Tantra, they're like, oh yeah, so should we have Tantric sex? Like, are you crazy? Do you think you start with the 
couple thing, like the whole like embodiment and tantra thing starts with you, first of all. And for women, it starts with attuning with your lunar cycle. You know, so you think I'm already like to that point where I will be able to give tantric sex to a complete stranger that has no knowledge over this, like maybe for 500 euros, you know, for like 15 minutes, because it's going to take all the knowledge and all the expertise that I have. But that's not really something that I do. So whenever people like they assume that Tantra is like what they saw in movies, I'm like, no, 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 no. It starts with you. Go masturbate with a meditation, you know? And there are, in uh, YouPorn, there are Tantric uh, um, self-pleasure techniques that you can learn. Some of them are good, some of them less so, but... um, I always say like your body knows. So yeah, Alejo, I would really say like maybe go look. I mean, it's guided by a woman, so that might not be <coughs> your thing, but you can make it work, I suppose. Or um, I'm hoping to a chat after the call if you want. <laughs> yeah, I know you, I know thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Of course. But yeah, so Arin, you were saying something earlier. I lost it, I think. I cannot remember, but I had a question actually about, do you use Reiki healing in any of your sessions with your patients? So, um, no, Reiki is something that um, I've been um, like exposed to. I have some colleagues that they, they use it. And uh, from the session I've been having, I do know that the type of work I do, it's in the same realm. There's a lot of like energetic work that gets done. But being myself a very brainy, cerebral person, I like to also involve the mind. And so I don't expect you just to lay there and to, you know, just send it energy, which I know it's very powerful if you know how to do it. But I uh, like the approach that I use is the one that has worked best for me is um, using visualizations and uh, guided practices, whether it's uh, self-massage or shaking meditation, all sorts of uh, physical practice that I guide and you then interpret in the way. One of the things I say, I I, I guide you through a self-massage, but your body knows. So if I say, put your hand on your breast and your breast doesn't feel safe, your hand would automatically want to be maybe above or below it. And so I really like to take away the, um, you know, you need to be able to do this reiki thing. I say like, I just give you suggestion and the suggestion I give you are through deep, deep work and courses that I've done in Tantra, but you are ultimately the main expert on your body. So I use more um, these kind of things. That's just beautiful, honestly. How many clients do you normally see like in a good week? Mm, I try to do um, the least uh, one-on-one and I try to focus more on, you know, really preparing the session to be powerful. So I'll have three to four clients a week. And most of them are recurring clients. So we're either doing my program. I have now a program that works on your emotional blocks. And um, uh, then I also have workshops and events that I do both online and offline. So I try to divide also my attention between 
one-on-one -on -one clients to more group and also self-work because I do believe that the quality of the work that I give is directly related to how much I keep studying, I keep deepening and a lot of the work it's also done on myself, you know, like for example now finding that resistance to, you know, people who ask me about Tantra sex, that's suddenly something that I'm going to move later on. I, I might be journaling about it or dance about it or shake about it. And um, yeah, it's about continuing the work. And so balancing one-on-one -on -one clients with other um, uh, activities that are vital to keep the quality and the standard high. It looks like he dropped off. Um, mm. I did have another question about the lunar cycle. Did you did you say that that goes into like sexual pleasure? That's that really like a thing? Oh my god! You know, one of the most beautiful things is that in tantra communities from both Latin America, like in Latin America, they don't really call it tantra. They have different words for it, but it's based and the cult the cultivating of giving and receiving also through sex but there's so many communities around the world that function in this principle and the first thing they do when someone new comes is to teach them about their cycle because you can't really be thinking to connect with your man if you're not aware and that doesn't mean that you're not allowed to take birth control or whatever works for you but it does mean that you knowing about it makes you in contact with yourself, your human nature, and the outer nature. So the lunar cycle being also your period, Whatever. you know, and connect with how that works. And for men, that is the solar cycle. Um, there's also in the book, in the flow, I like always, always to recommend my sources, but men have a testosterone cycle that goes through the day and women have, on top of that, they have also a lunar cycle that goes eight days and so we gain a lot of wisdom from learning from our hormones and also the natural representation of that outside of us and so as you do that you find for example that during your ovulation your sex drive it's at the top and you know you have your sex drive at the top and you know how to harvest that and how to use that so it can be with a partner but it could be also to have manifesting orgasms. It can be to have self-pleasure sessions that are based on the phase you're in, in your cycle. And for men, the same, like jerking off in the morning, it's very different from jerking off at night or every day. And it brings different energy. It brings in different opportunities for reflection and for connection. And so in a world where you could do anything, if you kind of know this structure, you can whether use it or not, that's also totally allowed to, to bring more <laughs> of that energy. So like for men, the peak is midday, their testosterone will be at the top. And that's when probably they're gonna be also the most aggressive. If you've ever seen a man that still needs to eat at midday, you know, like uh, you feel that. <laughs> um, and same as rising with the sun and feeling like this one big star that takes the world, you know? and. One thing I'm very, very passionate about as well is to mention that we both have feminine and masculine energy within us. And so whether you have a dick or a pussy between your legs, it's not as important as the energy you feel the most connected with. 
And that doesn't mean that you're going to have to be feminine, but it means that you feel more energized when receiving. You feel more energized when things are slow. And that's not wrong. That's beautiful. And um, the other way around, you could be a woman feeling much more comfortable, much more familiar with masculine energy. So you want to be the one setting the tone. You want to be the one, you know, feeling like a star, like a big protector. Everything is allowed, but it really starts with connecting with your cycles uh, and your hormones and use them to your advantage instead of fighting them. is, Mm -hmm. Is it possible for you to have both? Yeah, there are a few people that are entirely both. Well, you have both anyway. The question is, do you feel energized both by giving and receiving in equal measure? You know, and if that's the case, that's fantastic because that means in theory, you're always full of energy. You're always feeling like your life is flowing. If that's not the case, um, that's usually because you might have... uh, a favorite energy, you know, sometimes when our life is not flowing the way you want it to is because one of the two energy ask more attention. So maybe you are overgiving and not receiving enough. You're overthinking, overdoing and not feeling and not being enough of yourself. But maybe you feel pretty balanced between how much you give and how much you receive. And both this energy feels like home, just like our life has nights and days, the moon and the sun, and they keep going back and forth in a beautifully balanced way. So can we, you know? So that's totally achievable. Is that something you feel it's alive for you, Irene, Irene? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm energized giving and receiving. And I feel like sometimes if it is off balance, it is terrible. I'm learning a lot here. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I work with the people who don't feel energized, who feel exhausted, who feel like life cannot go on like that. And so as they do, I ask them, like, you know, when do you feel exhausted? Oh, I feel exhausted after I've seen my friends. Okay, so what have you been doing with your friends? Oh, yeah, I was talking a lot. All right. Have you ever learned to actively listen, to listen with all of your senses? That was something that was very much alive in me. Also being, having a lot of masculine energy, being very independent, very, you know, self-driven. Um, I realized I would get into this, you know, burnout state, into like this crashing down state. And um, what would be um, what was the solution for me was really to move to that other energy, to that feminine when I'm not supposed to be talking the whole time. It's so energizing to let other people talk and to really focus on listening to them, looking at them, smell them, almost taste their words even, you know, and going back to those senses, even touch them, allow their words to touch me you know, or allow myself to touch their hands. And in that, listening that used to be so boring (laughs) has become this beautiful practice of allowing them to give me, to allow myself to feel replenished. And that's like vital when it comes to um, relationship, when you have um, your man, it feels like... uh, 
uh, he, you don't listen to him. Like when he's accusing you of these sorts of things, what he's really asking you is to not only let him talk for the sake of talking, but to be with him, to witness his feminine, his chaos, his you know hormones going up and down and be with that. And so as you can do that, then you cultivate uh, this also in the bedroom because it's much easier to ask for what you want, feel energized by giving a blowjob as much as receiving oral sex. You know, all of these things, they get balanced when you're doing them consciously, when you're making a point out of um, being with your uh, partner in that. Oh, my God. How do you receive that? How is that landing on you? It's just a random question. Go for it. No, uh, have you ever peed on anybody? Not on purpose, but I have a brother and uh, he's annoying, so I'm sure I peed on him at some point in our childhood. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate warfare. what you said and it's very respectful. I um, I sat back and listened. I actually got kicked out of the podcast for a second, but I came back in and um, what you said is just I'd love to leave it at that, but if you've ever peed on anybody, I'd love to know. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't, and um, uh, I let you know what I think about it. So myself, it's not something that I would feel will turn me on. So that's not something that I go specifically out to ask. But you would do it for somebody else me, if they turned them on. The thing is, what kind of relationship do I have? Do True. I feel safe? True with my kink with you? Do I feel like this is a space? And do I feel like by doing this, are you using me or are you loving me? Like you mm-hmm. receiving me being on you, is that something that's gonna nourish or damage our relationship, you know? Yeah. And it might be that someone asked me genuinely because it's their fetish and that's something that they enjoy, but we are not at the point of the relationship where um, I would feel comfortable giving you know, that sort of uh, thing. And so what I will do with him is to be open and ask him, like, uh, these are the things, these are the steps that I, I say, like, it has to be like IKEA instruction. It has to be like dummy proof. So you mm-hmm. want this and I'm capable of giving it to you for sure because I can do whatever I want. It, the question is that I want, do I desire it? Is it connected to my desire? Mm-hmm. At the moment, maybe not. But what kind of things will bring me closer to desire wanting to give you this experience, you know? Because if I do it, just because you ask me and because I feel if I don't give it to you, then you're not going to love me. You're not going to feel turned on. You're not going to feel like released. You're not going to feel feel like 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 excited. You'd feel obligated. Well, I would feel obligated. But also say I, I do it. Say like you say give it to me and I do it. You're not going to feel the release that you think you do. You know, you're going to well, feel... what if I ask you to pee on me? Yeah, I wonder if that's really going to give you what you think it's going to come from taking it from someone that doesn't feel turned on by giving it to you. Oh, it's you know so, what I, I mean? I feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly. But if someone wants to give it to you 
and you want to ask, that become a sacred place. That becomes like a ritual that goes back to our um, primal instinct. And there's a lot of things, a lot of the kink and fetish, they go back to things that I think were like the most normal when we were very primal, very tribal, when, mm-hmm. you know, and there, there was no society conditioning. Now we are where we are. So either we go back to living to the forest and we adopt that lifestyle like 100%, mm. or we find, you know, new and more evolved way to get to the same um, ending, you know? So mm-hmm. by creating that space between you and the person you want to be on you, that you know it's about respect, it's about love, it's about giving and receiving... Yeah. it becomes fucking awesome and i mean it's this is very true also for the the women like i think our wild side has been completely um shut off like we uh, i've been reading now the women running with wolves and there's like this story of la loba like mm-hmm. this beautiful magical super ugly woman witch that brings back life you know and that's what sex does you know in the moment when you feel like life is not worth living you know wanking off makes you feel a little bit better doesn't it that's very and true eating and drinking like everything that is prim- uh, that is primordial brings us back to that and so i've actually created for the 17th of january for the next full moon an online container where i invite uh, all people women and men to come and celebrate that wild and free woman, that independence that then brings, you know, all sorts of like yucky things to be mm-hmm. beautiful, to be celebrated, to be turned on by. And so, yeah, um, I would love to have you or anybody who's listening into the podcast reach out and uh, see if um, this event is something for you or if you would like uh, more one-on-one session with me. I like to call them my coaching dates, you know? <laughs> I want to cuddle and seduce all my uh, clients into being their own best lovers and the best lover for their partner, ultimately, and for the whole world. I want you to go out and fuck with this life. Right. Um, go ahead and share your handle and everything so that they know where to contact you at. Yes, so on Instagram, you find me at Melanie, M-E-L-N-Y, because a lot of people write it I-E, Melanie Mistrorigo, M-I-S-T-R-O-R-I-G-O. It's a beautiful Italian surname, meaning the master of rulers. Um, And uh, yeah, that's where, that's the easiest place to find me. Um, You can send me an email to mistrorigo.melanie at gmail.com. I'll be more than happy also to share it with you um, so that you can share it on on your own Instagram. So if people cannot quite get around the, the handle, they can find me through that. And yeah, so, and the next event will be the 17th of January and it will be about being wild and free. We'll be doing shadow work using that book, Existential Kink, and we'll be doing some shaking tribal meditation that really connects with, uh, you know, the most uh, basic human of you. And it does a lot in terms of waking up uh, that womb or that, you know, creative space that is your sex, both for men and women, you know, but you shake 
that energy and suddenly you feel like you can fuck with the world, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Is that a virtual event or is that in person? It's a virtual event, yes. Awesome. That's why awesome. I was mentioning here and I was mentioning <laughs> if you guys wanted to join. No, I was just making sure that um, we mentioned that it was virtual because sometimes even if it's insinuated, people are like, wait, is it virtual? <laughs> yes. It's... Um, in Central European time. However, I think I'll have a recording. So if people, usually I don't make recordings, but given the nature of this one uh, event, I think uh, especially the first part of the guided part will be recorded and then uh, sent to the people who signed up and will be shared. If people then ask also, they, they realize or the podcast, um, they hear it after the 17th, they can always reach out and I'm happy to share uh, the recording. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mel, for coming on and talking about everything with us, literally everything. I appreciate it so much. Um, whenever you want to come back on and talk about anything, you are totally welcome. <laughs> you were such a blessing to have today. So thank you so much for coming. Alejandra, do you have any Thanks. other questions or anything for her? Mm. Nope. He's thinking. He's <laughs> so I also want to thank you. I want to say that I felt very much welcome. I felt very much received and that it's truly, truly a beautiful gift. And I'll be coming on. And uh, I really want to get to some nitty, to some, sorry, I've been told nitty gritty. It's actually not very um, kind thing to say. So I'm going to say I want to get into the details of uh, some things that you guys want to work on or some things that the people listening to your podcast ask you about. And uh, yeah, try find yes, more and more connections. Yes, we have an guys. Just go ahead and ask anything. I can definitely just go forward it to Mel whenever. Mm. Um, and then maybe we can come up with whenever it's going to be best for your schedule. And then you know how we did this last time. <laughs> Perfectly, yes. I love that. So again, thank you so much for having me, for receiving me, for allowing me to be here with you. No problem. And thank you so much for coming. I know it's good morning for you, but it's good night for us. <laughs> Beautiful. So you have an amazing day and we will see you later. And I, I wish you a beautiful night. Thank you. Bye. Ciao. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap of our podcast today. Very informative and interest- interesting. Excuse me, I have hiccups. Um, we will be back next week. So join us uh, on. God damn it. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Instagram at underscore made.in.organ underscore sorry um or you can follow me on uh, snapchat uh <laughs> alex doll 107 um and like before uh you know let us know if you guys have any like questions comments concerns if you have any advice um and let us know what you thought about this uh this evening's spot podcast excuse my freaking hiccups <laughs> irene take it away
And you guys can follow me at imens, I-M-E-N-Z-213 at Instagram and at Irene Mendoza 213 on TikTok. Everything is also linked in the link tree. I didn't post a YouTube video this week, but Linktree also has the link to the YouTube. And you guys will always see updates for the podcast on Instagram. But that's pretty much it. I think I'm going to have a featured tab so that I can put Melanie in, but I'm not sure if I'm going to get to that at and this special night, shout but out. it will definitely be before Monday. <laughs> and definitely a special shout out to Melanie for uh, for coming on with us and being open and honest um, about everything, even my awkward questions. <laughs> I think that she was a good sport about it, though. I think this um, was a really good one. Yeah, and I can't wait for her to come back again. But yeah, guys, you all have a great night. One more day. And Thanks. you know what they say. Stay classy, San Diego. And you know what no, San Diego means. San Diego no, means Will's so. vagina. What the fuck? It's on Anchorman. Oh, my God. San Diego <laughs> means Will's vagina. Yeah, San Diego. <laughs> Okay, guys. And we all know what dork means too. It means Will's penis. All right. Peace <laughs> out, Girl Scout. Love you, Imez.